Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the Lost Islamic History Podcast as we conclude our series about the Crusades with episode 5 about the liberation of Jerusalem. Last time we discussed the beginnings of real Muslim resistance to the Crusaders. We saw the rise of the Zengi family in Syria as they unified cities such as Aleppo, Damascus, and Mosul. We also discussed the invasion of Egypt by the Crusaders and the unification of Egypt and Syria under the Zengi dynasty. In this episode, we will track the rise of one of Islamic history's greatest leaders of all time, Salah al-Din al-Ayyubi, and understand how he managed to finally defeat the Crusaders and liberate Jerusalem. So first of all, who was Salah al-Din? What is his background? And how did he come to power? So he was born in the year 1138 in Tikrit, which is a city in northern Iraq. Ethnically, he's Kurdish. The Kurds are an ethnic group native to the region between Iraq, Syria, Turkey, and Iran. His father served the Zengi family as a military commander, so Salah al-Din was educated and raised in the city of Damascus, where he was taught religious as well as secular sciences from some of the best scholars of his time. And although Salah al-Din was Kurdish, he was educated in literary Arabic from a young age, and was probably more fluent speaking Arabic than Kurdish anyways. Because of his education, he was very, very strongly attached to Islam. His chronicler, Baha'i'ddin, wrote that Salah al-Din never used to miss any of the mandatory five daily prayers until the last three days of his life, during which he was unconscious. According to some chroniclers, Salah al-Din had much more of an interest in being a scholar of Islam than being a military commander. In any case, when his uncle Shirkuh was sent to Egypt to defeat the Crusaders by Nur al-Din Zengi in 1163, Salah al-Din, who was in his 20s at the time, tagged along. As we discussed in the last episode, after a struggle that lasted a few years, Shirkuh defeated the Crusaders and their Fatimid allies and became the governor of Egypt in 1169. Unfortunately for him, however, he died a few months later of a stomach illness. The man who succeeded him was his nephew, Salah al-Din. Now in the early 1170s, we have a unique political situation. Salah al-Din was the effective king of Egypt with an army, resources, and the loyalty of the local population. In Syria, you have his boss, Nur al-Din, who was officially the guy in charge. Now, there is some political tension between the two. Nur al-Din feared that Salah al-Din would eventually become too powerful and overthrow him and take charge of Syria. He was encouraged by many of his followers who constantly urged Nur al-Din to invade Egypt and get rid of Salah al-Din and consolidate his rule over the country. Many military and political leaders in Syria and Egypt were convinced that war was going to break out between the two sides soon. But war never happened, because in 1174, Nur al-Din contracted a fever that came from a bad case of tonsillitis he had, and he died. His son was only 11 years old at the time, and thus was not able to inherit the throne. Because of this, Syria fell mostly into anarchy, with each region becoming an independent city-state. Through this, Salah al-Din found an opening to become the Sultan of Syria in addition to Egypt. The people of Syria generally supported him and welcomed him into cities such as Damascus, Homs, and Mosul. By 1176, Salah al-Din was now the Sultan of a unified Syria and Egypt. Now let's turn our attention to the Crusader states, the ones that were established about 80 years earlier during the initial invasion in the early 1100s. 
They were much weaker than they were in the early 1100s, and there were tons of political divisions among them. So now we have numerous disunited crusader kingdoms that are surrounded on all sides by a unified Muslim world under the rule of Salah al-Din. This is almost the exact opposite of how it was when the crusaders invaded as a unified force and the Muslims were divided among themselves. In any case, the kingdom of Jerusalem knew it could not win an all-out war against Salah al-Din. As a result, they signed a peace treaty with him. Now, Salah al-Din was fine with peace because it meant that he could strengthen his power around the Crusaders and use political instead of military pressure to liberate Jerusalem. But that would never happen. Within the Crusader states, there was an extremist group known as the Knights Templar. They were led by a belligerent man named Reynald de Chatillon. Although his army was small, he used it to constantly harass the surrounding Muslims. In breach of treaties signed by his own kingdom, Reynald would attack deep into Muslim lands, particularly looking for caravans of pilgrims headed towards Mecca and massacre them. On one occasion, he even attempted to attack Mecca itself, although he was unsuccessful. After numerous instances of treaty violations, Salah al-Din was finally forced to go to war with the Kingdom of Jerusalem. He assembled an army of over 30,000 soldiers from Syria and Egypt, while the Kingdom of Jerusalem and its few allies was able to field an army of 20,000. On July 4, 1187, the two armies met at a valley in northern Palestine, about 150 kilometers north of Jerusalem. On July 4, 1187, the two armies met at a valley in northern Palestine, about 150 kilometers north of Jerusalem, at the Battle of Hattin. The Muslim forces pretty easily defeated the Crusader armies, who were exhausted by the march in the hot desert from Jerusalem and were running low on water. Reynald, the one who had basically caused this war, was captured and personally executed by Salah al-Din. With the Crusader army defeated, Salah al-Din was able to march to Jerusalem by late September of that year. Only 160 Crusader soldiers defended Jerusalem against Salah al-Din's army of over 100,000. Obviously, they had no chance of defeating the great Muslim general, and on October 2nd, they handed Salah al-Din control over the city. 88 years and two months after being captured by the Crusaders, the holy city of Jerusalem was liberated once more by a united Muslim army. Now, what Salah al-Din does with the people living in the city is really interesting. Keep in mind, when the Crusaders captured the city in 1099, they massacred every single person in the city with blood flowing through the streets. Salah al-Din, on the other hand, orders that no one is killed, and they are all allowed to leave with their possessions if they paid a small ransom fee. And for anyone who couldn't afford the ransom, he personally paid it for them. And even though they were exiled, Salah al-Din left the city open to Christian pilgrimage at any time. The Muslim monuments of the city were converted back into mosques. Salah al-Din himself helped clean the Al-Aqsa Mosque in time for the first Friday prayer held a week after the liberation. Unlike the earlier crusader actions, Salah al-Din did not desecrate any Christian churches and allowed freedom of religion in the city. Of course, the loss of Jerusalem was a huge shock to Christian Europe, which launched another crusade to recapture it. Salah al-Din defeated them as well in the early 1190s and was able to protect the city. Salah al-Din died in 1193 in Damascus with an empire that stretched from Yemen to Syria to Egypt. Jerusalem itself would remain a Muslim-controlled city long after his death until 1917 when it was captured by the British in World War I. Well, that wraps it up for the Crusade series on the Lost Islamic History podcast.
I hope that it educated you on the history of this epic and important series of wars. If you have a suggestion on what you'd like to hear on the next episode, leave a comment on our YouTube page or our Facebook. Also, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at lostislamichistory.com.